Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insight and the ability to see into dark realms, well, maybe, Karen and Jamie help decipher the witness prophecies. Well, I'm Jamie. And I'm Karen, and it looks like we're ready to discuss Sleepy Hollow, Season 2, Episode 5, The Weeping Lady. It was written by M. Raven Metzner and directed by Larry Tang. So, Karen, what would you mm-hmm. give this episode? I give it seven really, really cute tri-cornered hats. I'm going to give it eight betrayed spouses. Yeah? Yeah. I knew you'd like this one. Mm-hmm. I love this one. Yeah, I knew it. I like this one, um, and I thought it was cool because of the creep factor. Yeah. And and because of Holly, I thought he was really good in this one. You love Holly. He's hot. I'm sorry. Um, he and... He and um, Ichabod are both hot. And and I like that he is becoming part of the team. Now, it's not because he is coming between Ichabod and Abby. That is not why I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like him no matter what he did on the show. I just like that character. I, I kind of dig the rogue thing. Um, you know, I like Captain Mal. I like Han Solo. I'm just into that sort of vibe. And um, I, I like that he's on the show and that, you know, he's uh, kind of getting into this thing and so anyway i like that he was part of the team and uh he was kind of a smart ass so hang on just a minute okay i'll switch with you what is this it's my old stuff do you not want it just pour it in here mm-hmm. thank you yeah. you want your pills no not right now okay. thank you <sighs> totally leaving that in <laughs> please do not i won't <sighs> okay. okay, so, um, so H- Holly, you you yeah. like that he's being added into the group, even though it might be reluctantly. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as reluctantly as Ichabod wants it to be. I mean, I think that people see he's an asset, as in Abby and Jenny and and Ichabod, even to a certain extent. Um, you know, he knew they needed something from him, and so they went ahead and. And talk to him. And uh, I think he's also grateful that that he saved Abby's life, obviously. But, you know, I just I think he could be a huge asset to them. And now that he kind of gets that there's actually something to this supernatural thing, it's going to be even nicer to have him on the team. So, yeah, I, I thought there were some really cool parts to this episode. I just and and we'll talk about this more when we get to Kevin's feedback um, again, it's just moving a little slow for me as far as the arc thing goes. So. Yeah, I did like that we got a little bit more of the arc this episode, but you're right, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming back to Holly, I think he's not going to be a good thing for the team. And the reason why <laughs> is because I think he is going to cause trouble for Abby and Jenny. I think he is going to be another obstacle mm-hmm. getting in the way of those two having the sisterly relationship that they both desire to have. See, but you don't think he's going to get in between Ichabod and Abby, though, do you? No, not at all. Well, then why would he get in between Abby and Jenny? Because he's going to go for Abby. 
And Jenny obviously and then he's wants to get, be back with him. Make Jenny mad. Right. And then add, okay. Jenny's going to be like, well. So you think it might cause lucky? some sort of sandpapery thing? Yeah. And maybe Jenny will go off and become a horseman because of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the episode anyway. Okay. Um, so we find out that a young woman in the town, and I kind of wondered if it wasn't the same woman that he ran into last season, but I didn't have time to look it up. Um, from the reenactors that right. he bought the clothes from. I, I believe that was the same woman that he okay. bought the clothes from. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So she brings him some clothing. Yes. And that's awesome. So now he has some more new clothes. That's great. <laughs> and he was looking pretty spiffy in this episode. Yes, he was clean. Clean. And also several changes of clothing, if you count the flashbacks. Yes, and a very dapper um, colonial-style suit that he had to wear later on in the episode, too. Mm -hmm. With the kind of Mandarin collar. That was very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very plain sort of stand-up collar. So um, she brought over some nice new clothes made with the period fabric in the period style, and then she made him lingonberry jam and <laughs> freshly churned butter <laughs> and... I think and, churning butter was a euphemism. <laughs> well, I don't think so, but I think she was giving it a double meaning, definitely. <laughs> yes, there was a double entendre right there. Yes, and apparently in colonial times, there was absolutely no way to detect when a woman was flirting with you because up until this point, he had no idea that she even liked him. And I took him for a smart guy. Well, he did say, well, no, he did. Did he? He said he, uh, he, he, I guess he was so preoccupied with Katrina that he couldn't see her advances or her, her affections. So I guess, but if he's known her since, since like January. Yeah. Ish. I mean, any woman that's making you jam and churning butter for you mm -hmm. and making you, you new clothes. Look at them. And the thing is, I thought she was kind of cute. She's adorable. You know, I was like, hey, yeah. if the Abby thing doesn't work out. I know. And then there chick. was that whole scene when Abby walked in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Mrs. Crane. Mrs. What now? <laughs> Which I liked. And she comes bearing uh, food from the Far East. Now, that'd be Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was very cute. Yes. And, of course, she had the misfortune of being in love with Ichabod yes, in this episode. Because anyone who is close to Ichabod in this episode is misfortunate. Yeah. Misfortunate? Is that a word? Unfortunate. Unfortunate. I, I don't know my words anymore. I don't know my words. <laughs> she was I, I don't read them their books. <laughs> she was unfortunate. She was unfortunate. Because it meant glurgle, glurgle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she drowned. Mm -hmm. She didn't just drown. She was drowned. <laughs> and I'll do that on purpose for you. <laughs> drowned. She was drowned by uh, the weeping lady. Yes, the weeping lady, who it turns out was someone from Ichabod's past. That's right, Mary. And I don't know about you, but the minute the flashback started, once he saw the lace, yes. she was irritating as all get out to me. Oh, she was supposed to be irritating. She was, was she? Yeah, she was horrible. Okay. Was, I would have liked her to be more sympathetic personally. 
like, you know, I just kind of fell out of love with you sort of thing. Or, you know, I loved you like a sister. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with that and not have to be irritating. As far as I was concerned, she could have been very, very sweet. Right. And, you know, just misunderstood. I think the irritating thing played up into the fact that she was actually, you know, so jealous that she was going to come back and kill people. I guess. But, man, she was shrewy. Um, and and her gums were kind of gross. Yeah, they were. Her teeth were kind of horsey with the gums showing. She was long know. in the tooth. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I. It wasn't just her appearance, though. She was just so, oh, hello, Ichabod. I miss you ever so much. I, and I came straight I, out of a Jane Austen, Austen novel. novel, exactly with my parasol and my lovely big poofy skirt, and yeah, I just for some reason I just didn't take to her at all. And I guess that was supposed to be the point that we weren't supposed to like her right. in order for her to become the villain in this story. And but she, then at she, the end, we we're supposed to feel kind of sorry for her. I guess. I guess I never felt sorry for her. I never okay. did. I felt like she got what was coming to her. And she really wasn't the villain here. She was an instrument of somebody else. Yeah, I know who you think the villain is. Who's the villain? Katrina. Uh, no, I don't think Katrina was All the right. villain in this situation. Well, she got a little finger pointed at her. She, and I just knew you were going to talk about Katrina in this one. Well, we're going to get now, there. We're okay, gonna get I'm to not. That. And, and let me tell you right now, I was mad. Oh, you were? Yeah, really mad because that was some that was some hard on lying happening there because that happened when Ichabod was still with her before any of that stuff happened between them. Mm -hmm. So they were still together and both alive and she knew about that and right. she never said anything about it. And that is some full scale lying but she did it because she needed him to stay here because he's a witness and he needed yeah, to okay. fight and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and see, that's what makes me mad. I can explain away all the other stuff and hand wave it because, okay, she was pregnant, but she didn't know till after Ichabod died. Okay, I can wave that away. Um, and, you know, she was a witch, but she didn't tell him, well, you know, back then you didn't really go around telling people you were a witch, right? I mean, I kind of get that. Uh, you know, but this was, you know, hey, I just accidentally killed the woman that was in love with you. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Katrina didn't look good by the end of this episode. No. And is it just me? Or are they making her look bad? Like physically look bad? I thought she looked great in this episode. Really? Yeah. I mean, the more and more she goes to the dark side, the hotter she looks. See, I think she looks really washed out, mm. but she doesn't look as radiant. Mm. I she's still that. pretty, yeah. but I, yeah, she's very pretty. Yeah. Just usually she looks very dewy and her hair is always in place, And but she didn't look that way this week. Anyway, I was very disappointed in her. And this, for me, this is where I started thinking, okay, now they're putting it in our head that they might be turning her. Because oh. up until this point, I thought that they weren't going to turn her. Like, they didn't even have a thought to turn her. I think they did. I think they were. Well, they, now I'm thinking they did. I, I think all along they were trying to turn her. I, and I think that, that, you know, the whole binding ceremony thing that we saw a few episodes ago kind of hinted towards all that. So... 
I think what happened in this episode is our good old pal Jenry said we can't have her trying to communicate with Ichabod and their bond is way too strong uh, to to fight against so I gotta find some way to break that bond and what did he do he found Katrina's greatest sin yeah and that was it wasn't it yep now is that really her greatest sin I don't know. I mean, there was a whole list of them that Ichabod said at the end of the episode. So Yeah, and he is very disillusioned. Yes, he is. Disillusioned to the point of saying he can only rely on the people that he knows he can trust. Yeah. And, and then, who is that right now? Abby. Yeah. Abby. That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. And so uh, I think they're setting the stage. I think he can trust Jenny yeah. for the most part. But really, when it comes down to it, putting his life in someone's hands, it's really just Abby. And if you're going to put your life in someone's hands, guess what else you're going to put in their hands? <laughs> Let's not go there, Mr. Bone Flute. You're going to put your heart in their hands. <laughs> okay. Um, I shared last week's episode with some of my romance writer friends, and they thought it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Our really? triple and quadruple entendres. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I really did think that they were coming across very, very hard on the fact that Katrina could definitely be turned um, very firmly on that side this week. Yes. Where they haven't very, they haven't really come down that firmly before. Now, and this all could be just a toy that they're 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 putting in our faces. They're trying to play with us because, mm-hmm. remember, they played with us last season with with Jenry's character. That we 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 thought he was just a mild mannered sin eater, and mm-hmm. then he turns out to be the horseman of war. So yeah, I don't know. So they could just be toying with us. And no Irving in this episode, nope. unfortunately. No Irving. And not a lot of Jenny, although we will talk about her in a second. Yes, we will. Um, and we didn't talk a lot about Jenry. Let's talk about him real quick. Okay. Um, he did look into some sort of what did he what did he look into to find the sin? He uh, he made some book. sort of a book. Okay, so he looked into this book to find his mother's sin, and he did. He talked to Abraham. He and Abraham keep talking about whatever they need to do to move their plan along for Moloch. And Abraham is also worried about Katrina being able to break the spell that he, the ward that he's placed around the house. Right. And, and Henry mentioned that, I'm sorry, Jenry. Jenry mentioned that he would do anything to harm his parents in this episode, which I find very intriguing that he would just come right out and say that. Not that it, I mean, he's pretty transparent about it. But the fact that he is just so bald about it, yeah, um, that was interesting to say the least. Um, I mean, even Abraham is still in love with Katrina. No matter how much she betrays him, yeah, he's we, still in love with her. We saw that at the end when he went and said, you know, I'm not happy to see you unhappy. Right. And yeah. that he wants her to come to him willingly. Right. Uh, I mean, he still has a, a soft place in his heart for her, whereas Jenry, it's all about vengeance for him. So does that mean maybe there's still good in Abraham? As far as good for him can be, he was always spoiled. Mm-hmm. He was entitled, I guess. Let me rephrase that question. Is there still humanity yes, in him? Yes, I think there is. Okay. I think there was always humanity in him. I don't think he likes being a horseman. I think... That was something that happened to him because of the situation. 
brain exploding prediction time. Mm-hmm. It's not Katrina who gets turned. It's going to be Abraham. Who gets turned to the good side? Yeah. Hmm. So then he would be the, the horseman of death. I have somebody else. I don't know. Maybe maybe it becomes Irving. Maybe Irving takes over that role. Hmm. So you think Abraham will... Okay. I, I mean, I could see that happening. You know, Katrina and him yep. are getting closer. She realizes there's humanity in him. She's still pretty good. She appeals to that hum- human side of him. He decides to give up his ways. And he, you know, maybe his soul is released from his, his headless body and boom. And we've already seen that magically he can be human again. Right. With whatever is in that pendant. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. And that would make things easy for your theory as well of getting rid of Katrina. Yes. And there's also a neatness factor in that, that Abraham and Katrina are also living in the same century headspace. Yes, they are, aren't they? Because Ichabod has kind of acclimatized to the current day. Yes, he has. Other than his fashion. Yeah. And he still, you know, talks funny. But yeah. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> uh, my husband dared me to ask for put- potato chips because everyone says potato, potato. Yeah. And he said, well, no one actually says potato. Mm, potato chips. <laughs> so, yeah, I I can see where you're headed with that. Yeah. That makes a, a slight bit of sense. Doesn't I it? do see humanity in him, but I also see vengeance as well. But now that he has Katrina under his roof, he has softened quite a bit. And he really doesn't like Jenry. You can tell he doesn't oh, have... He, it's, a, it's a very tenuous partnership. Yes, it is. It's a it's a forced partnership. Mm-hmm. I think he he does not appreciate how Jenry deals with Katrina. I think there's a part of him that wants to say to him, treat your mother right. <laughs> because he does care for Katrina mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to see her hurt by her son. Mm-mm. That's an interesting dynamic. That's almost as crazy warped as once upon a time family trees. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I feel like the person who's going to end up losing in the end out of all of this is going to be Jenry. Because we, oh, yes. we can already see that Abraham doesn't really like him, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't Moloch. like his coworkers doesn't like him. His boss hates him. Hates him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not going to get love there that he's looking for. He's not going to get love from, well, he could get love from his parents, but he doesn't want the love from his parents. Yeah. So what's going to happen here with Jenry? Because he's, he's messing up everywhere he turns. Really, honestly, I think the only person who would accept him wholeheartedly is Ichabod at this point. Maybe Katrina. Katrina right now has more to worry about, but Ichabod would love to have a relationship with him if if there could be some nothing between them. He hates what happened. Oh, yeah, he does. And he is such a good person. He would want there to be a bond between them. He hates that he had no idea he had a son. I think that is one of his many regrets. I do not want to see a relationship between those two, though. I just don't. No. I don't either. <laughs> that would be the worst. The only relationship I want to see is Abby. And- I know. I know you do. So, okay. So poor Mary was in love with Ichabod, uh, makes the journey from England to America after hearing that Ichabod has switched loyalties and she wants to claim him and bring him back. She thinks that he has been coerced. Right. She wants to bring him back to England and marry him. And of course, he has done all this willingly and apparently they decided to break break up before he left 
Yes. Franklin. They did, but she's, you know, she's a little crazy. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, coming from England at this time period to, to find an ex-boyfriend. Oh, that's months, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like that woman who was wearing the the astronaut who was wearing the diapers a few years ago. Driving. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? It's It's on that level of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Although... Back then, there wasn't a way to easily communicate with someone, so it was easy to have those kind of fantasies. You know, you really couldn't, like, just call someone and talk to them and get that vibe right. that they weren't into you. You know, well, you could build up this fantasy in your head well, and not have anything to back it up. I think if they go, like, 3,000 miles away on a ship, that's, you know, it takes two, three, sometimes four months to get to the other place that says a lot about how they feel about you, you know, if they're well, not if they're not course. keeping in contact with you but and all that. Again, stuff. she could she was fooling herself in her mind that he went over there to fight for his country. Yeah, that's true. You know, she uh, I, I think this he, is what I'm saying that she built up this fantasy in her head. I think he went over there to get away from her. I think he went over there for many reasons and that probably was one of them. <laughs> Cuz honestly, if I was promised to her, I, I would I would See sign up ya. for any war. I did. oh 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 a world away where there's no communication. Yeah, sure. See, you wouldn't want to be. Yep, eat my dust. So of course he very nicely breaks this news to her, and she is she cries those crocodile tears. I feel when they're walking. Did you feel like those were disingenuous? I thought they were crazy woman tears. So I didn't okay. think they were disingenuous. I thought they were they were not the kind of tears she thought they were coming off as. Okay. So, okay, we both thought that they were not the right kind of tears for the situation. Right. Okay, that's good. It gives off, it gives off the right vibe for, for what was going on, at least. Um, and then, you know, she decides, they decide they're going to part ways. And she got the right vibe between Ichabod and Katrina, even though that wasn't the situation yet. So at least she's, she had that going. And she decides to confront Katrina. Katrina, of course, denies everything. And she, air quotes, accidentally falls off the cliff and Katrina covers it up mm -hmm. hmm. by writing a letter saying I release you yeah and that oh boy that again like I said that really that really sticks in my craw as it were and um and then of course she haunts Sleepy Hollow as a benevolent ghost until now because when she decides to rise up and harm everyone who Ichabod cares for she thinks they could be stealing Ichabod from her. Right. Now, why did she choose now? Because of Jenry. Oh, right. Because Jenry pulled her yeah. out of the abyss. Yes. Got it. Okay. Thank you for bringing me back around to that. I will. Um, that's what I'm here for. Good. Okay. And then we had Holly looking things up in the library. And you and I talked about this last week that I thought that he believed in supernatural things because he was in that business. But apparently I was mistaken. Yep. You were wrong. <laughs> he, did he did not until last week. Yeah. Until he, <laughs> he didn't believe in it until he saw the Pied Piper. And now that he's seen the weeping lady, he's like, okay, this stuff's yeah. real. I don't know. I think, no, I'm not saying he believed in it, but I think he had an open mind, maybe. Uh, I don't think he was closed off to the idea. No. Because he's taking it in stride now. I mean, he, you know, Irving didn't quite take it in stride last season when he finds out. He fought against it. 
Holly is, he's okay with it. Uh, you know, think, he's just like, um, Holly's seen some stuff. Yeah. So it's not like he's shocked that things like this happened. So yeah, he didn't believe in it wholeheartedly, but now this is confirming. Oh, okay. Yeah. These things happen. All right. I'll look into it. But yes, you were right. I was wrong. I copped to it completely. He never saw anything like that last week. <laughs> Now he's looking into stuff. And I think this is the wake up call for him. This was the wake up call for him last week is that he sees that what he's doing might actually have huge repercussions. All I hope is that we find out what Jenry is doing with that bone flute. Well, do you think it might have something to do with the wards he's placing on things and the spells he's casting? And if you saw the preview, he's doing stuff. Right. Um, With items, placing spells and things like that. I mean, yeah, but that this is the thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to go with one of my nitpicks for this season, is that we're getting these little pieces, but they're not picking them back up right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer, you know, that if you're going to tell serialized TV that has season-long arcs, you do not do that to your viewers. You pick up where you left off the next week. Well, I don't mind them dropping something and then picking it up a couple weeks later, but I see what you're saying. But I don't mind not finding out exactly what he's doing with this yet. Mm, I, I, I do. I do. I think they should put more in, though, in between. And maybe that's why I, I'm feeling frustrated by it, because right. we're like not they, getting more they, in between. They dropped that last week, and then they didn't really put a lot in this week to tie that in. No. and, and The book, maybe, but... He's not concocting any spells, no. essentially. He's not concocting any spells. He's not putting the bone dust into anything that would be putting people in trances or anything like that. So give me something. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't don't show me something and then not pick it back up. Or he could be alluding to something. You know, well, I'm working on something that might be bringing you right. dozens of minions. Or, you know, right. he's not doing anything like that. So, no, yeah. he's, he's basically, and pardon my French, he's looking like a little bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's looking yeah. like like well, a little whiny is. baby. He's looking like a little whiny baby because he he's trying to impress Malik, and then Malik's not impressed. Now it's odd you would use that word whiny little baby. Those words because that was essentially what he was at the end of the episode. Yes, and I'm thinking in left in the home in which he was born, right? Crying. In a position like that, yes, crying. Yes, very much so. I found that an interesting position to be placed in. He considers Moloch to be his father. Yes. And his new father, Moloch, is treating him even worse than his other parents did. And that's because Moloch's mad at him because he's making these complete and total missteps. Moloch says, you don't do plans. You just carry mm-hmm. out my plans. Do you think Moloch's mad at him? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that Moloch is mad per se. I think Moloch doesn't give him a second thought. I think Moloch is just telling him the fact you don't make plans. Okay. I think that Moloch is that his his standard way of talking. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen Moloch talking any other way than that? Oh, okay, I'll give you He's that. a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Okay, I'll give you <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But I Mal- think Moloch happy and Moloch angry is the same thing. <laughs> all the same thing. And I mean, he's a bad guy, so he's going to talk to people like that. It's not like he's he's going to walk around and go, "Hey, good job." <laughs> you know. Um, he's just not going to talk to you if you do something right. But in this case, um, I I just I think that he's not being abusive so much as just stating the facts to Henry. Right. 
and he just doesn't care. And I think that's what Henry's feeling. He feels like he doesn't matter at this point. And, and that may be me reading into it a little bit. I don't think he's feeling attacked. I really don't. I think he's feeling like he doesn't, he's not pleasing his father. No matter what he does, he doesn't matter to his father. Yeah. I mean, I caught that because he was sitting on the floor with his legs out in front of him crying like a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And the thing that he did wrong, as Molly says, is that he put the witch or Katrina in danger and he shouldn't do that because Katrina is some type of vessel. Yep. And what, a vessel. Yeah, of we what? need to talk about that. What is she a vessel of? Yeah. What did you think? She's, I think she's gonna have to bear some sort of child. A la Rosemary's baby. Sort of. So. And do you think it's gonna be Abraham's child? Do you think that's why Abraham's not too upset about anything right now? Maybe, maybe, maybe the whole point is that uh, you know Abraham has to convince her willingly so that she will get pregnant, and then the baby will be. Moloch in human form? Maybe. Because it has to be demon born or something. Mm. Or maybe the other theory is that she is going to be another horseman. But I think vessel means that she's going to carry something inside. Carry something. Inside Mm -hmm. of her. Yeah. And that could be another reason why Jenry is very unhappy and why they gave the baby vision at the end there. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, because she's, oh my God, so twisted. Moloch will be her son as well. Whoa, whoa, mind blown. Yeah, (laughs) Moloch would be his dad and also his brother. Wow, talk about Jerry Springer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that vision at the end, I think, was really a, a, a point in the direction of child. So is that Moloch's only way out of purgatory right now? I'm guessing. I mean, we've never seen him in human form, ever. No. And we've never seen him outside of purgatory, except in, like, mirrors and stuff. That's true. Right? Right. No, we've seen him in the forest, haven't we? In Abby's and Jenny's flashbacks. Yeah. I don't know. He may have been in the forest, though. Hmm. Whoa. But, again, not in human form. We have seen him in the police office last year with... That was in the with mirror, Andy, though. With Andy. Oh, that was wasn't in the it? Mirror. Yeah, you're right. It was in the mirror. Hmm. And his his presence was felt by you know whatever he did to Andy. Andy is that his name? Yeah, Andy. Andy. Yeah, but we only ever saw him in the mirror. Uh, I think. Well, whatever. He's been in the forest, so he has been outside of purgatory, but never in human form. No. So he can't take human form, but this would be a way for him to do so, to inhabit, to become a spirit in someone's body. Now, the thing is, if Katrina does get pregnant with Moloch as a baby, does that mean her and Abraham have to move to an apartment building in New York City populated with people much older than them? Okay, wait a minute. I'm talking about Rosemary's baby. <laughs> Are they going to have to have like little seances that she doesn't know about until the very end of the And then pregnancy? at some point, Abraham will um, take off with one of Katrina's adopted children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, am I mixing that up with Woody Allen? <laughs> yeah, Sorry. You, yeah, you. <laughs> um, we're going way through chains there. Yeah, we are. Um. I, d- I really think that's what they're alluding to, is that the reason he has to get her to capitulate is so that he can impregnate her and so she can carry a child that 
then Moloch can inhabit from a baby because he's taken, he's, you know, he has um, possessed bodies before, but they can't, he can't become one with them. But I'm, I'm assuming that if he merges with them as a baby, he oh. can acclimatize and merge with their soul. Oh my God. Here, here's, here's total crazy, like plot direction. Okay. So mm-hmm. she does give birth to a baby, right? The mm-hmm. baby is uh, inhabited by Moloch, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Abby and Ichabod have to decide what are they going to do about this baby because it's still really just a baby and how much damage could a baby do and maybe the baby still has good in it and it, one might not grow up to be a demon Moloch human being. You never know. So do you kill the baby? What do you do with the baby? And then Katrina's all protective of the baby and Ichabod's all upset because she had Abraham's baby. Oh my, this is, this is, this has to be where they're going. I'm assuming. I mean, it, it really does look that way. There's so much drama. But I don't know that it will ever come to that point. I mean, both Ichabod and Abraham will have baby mama drama. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, Jenry, of course, will be jealous of both his father and his father and his mother and his brother and his stepfather (laughs) and his half brother. Yeah. (laughs) Dang. This is crazy. Yeah. It's again, if any of you watch Once Upon a Time, get ready. Get ready for the Peter Pan family tree yet again. So, okay, so there's all that happening. And then, of course, there's Holly showing up at the library, getting his flirt on with Abby. Yep. Which was cute. I'm sorry. It was really cute. Not really, but. Yes, it was really cute. And Abby was cute. Abby's always cute. Well, she was sassy. Sorry, but she was. She was very snappy with him. Yeah, usually the way she is with, with Ichabod, she was with Holly. Don't get jealous. She can have some sparks with someone else. He's married. To a woman who's going to give birth to a demon baby. (laughs) Okay, yes. But right now, he's married. She has every right to flirt with someone else. You got to give her that, Mm. right? She's a woman. She got needs. I get that, but... Okay. Still not happy. And and her sister is attracted to him, so, you know, there's got to be something to him. And, And here's the deal. Holly, at the end of the episode, was about to be like, okay, I'll go here... Because he was putting Jenny off because we, we know. Big time. He we, pushed her away three times. Yeah, because we know who he really wants. He wants her sister. Right. Right? So He, he wants pushed to... her away three times. That is a lot of self-control mm. as far as I'm concerned for a guy. But then he finally was like, okay, sure, let's do this. Well, how many times you got to push someone away before <laughs> before you give in? And he's not going out with anyone. He's just attracted to Abby. So he had every right, really. Right, but that's... Here's the deal. If I were Holly and I was in his shoes and I had already been with Jenny and along comes her sister, I don't know if I could entertain that relationship or sure. anything with Abby because I'd already been with her sister. Right. And but it just kind of says to me he might be a little bit of a sleazeball. Okay. Because Again, I- no offense to you, but guys... <laughs> Hey, <laughs> we're not all bad. No. And again, I'm saying no offense to you. Y- you seem like a very nice guy. I don't know you in person. <laughs> I think I know you pretty well. I don't think you would do anything like that. But guys in general. Okay. 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 
I'll give you that. Okay. A lot of guys don't really care about things like that. And a lot of guys and probably be like, I'm going to go high five my friends at the bar after I get with the other sister. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. And honestly, I think what he's thinking is, you know, Jenny and I hooked up and it was never serious, but I think I could really have something with Abby. But I think once Abby finds out that she's going to go ballistic. Oh, yeah. She's like, you went there with my sister. Uh, uh-uh, uh. If anything, if anything happens between them right now, there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And he did push her away. And this is not going to be a uh, Spice Girls thing. If you if you if you want to be my lover, you better get with my friends and my family. Just not going to happen. No, no. He's going to have to be up front with her if anything happens. Oh, yeah. And she's still not going to like it. No. But And I think Abby will probably say, no way, Jose. I'm trying to work on my relationship with my sister. And I just can't have that wedge between us. Mm-hmm. And then Jenny's going to say, you can do whatever you want. And then she's going to resent it anyway. Right. Because that's how things go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, that's that whole thing. And then, of course, there's the the job thing that Holly, you know, talks about. Hey, I was just doing my job, but, you know, forearmed is forewarned. Yes. I got to read about it. And, and then he says, if you ever need me, come and find me and I'll give you a discount. <laughs> I'm just kidding, free. <laughs> and then uh, they show up on the boat and they ask him for stuff and he gets all up. He, his back gets up and... Uh, and I think most of it is because Ichabod's there getting all up in his face. He He's not fond of Ichabod right now. No. and they, They're having a bit of a measuring contest, I think. I think I think Ichabod is bigger. <laughs> Just saying. I don't know. I am team I, I, Ichabod all the way. I am neither. I am whatever Abby wants. Team. A- Abby doesn't know what's best for her. All the way. Abby doesn't I, know what's best for her. If it were me, I would have a really hard time choosing... That's all I have to say. I could see both of them having their charms and they're both adorable Mm. as far as I'm concerned. Right now, Ichabod would be in the lead. Oh, see, told you. Well, sure. He's the good guy. Mm -hmm. But man, there's something about that scruff and the the scoundrelness. Of Holly. You women and your bad just boys. Something. But he's not bad, bad. Like, you know, if that's if, what they all say. If the person inside of Henry was inside of that body, no, absolutely not. But Holly's, you know, he's that charming sort of you know, if it came down to it, he would give you mouth to mouth if you were choking, like he did in this episode. He's the good guy. He's Han Solo. He's Malcolm Reynolds, you know. You, That's keep, who he you, is. you keep saying that to yourself. He is. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to jump ahead to it. Mm-hmm. What's your anachronism of the week? I think my anachronism would be the Lover's Lane scene. Oh, yes? Yes. Would you like me to play it? I'd love for you to play it. Okay. Teenagers. Local kids use this spot as a lover's lane. It's a place where a yes, young... I had them in my day. A route on which a young man and his betrothed could walk hand in hand. Closely followed by their parents, of course. Avoiding propriety. Something like that. If it was high school students, I'd say a visit to the Queen Bees is in order. I take it you're suggesting more than a visit to an apiary. <laughs> I love that one. I even like the little queen bee thing at the end. Oh, yes. So that was cute. So what was yours? Uh, mine was getting the clothes from the young lady at the beginning and getting the churn butter and all that stuff and how she's yeah. like, you're so dedicated to living like a... Yeah, you liked him being uncomfortable, huh? Yeah, I did. All right, so let me play that one then. Betsy Ross herself would envy your handiwork, Miss Caroline. 
I made you some new shirts, breeches, and hose, all cut from cloth woven on a heritage Saxony loom. Oh. <laughs> I also brought you butter I turned last night and some lignanberry preserves. And... Oh, Miss Caroline, your generosity knows no bounds. I shall treasure these gifts. I've never met anyone like you before, Ichabod. Your dedication to colonial reenactment is so impressive. You never break character. Well, one might say it's a way of life. I think it's inspiring. And to be honest, kind of attractive. Oh. All I have to say is that Ichabod is all about those britches and hoes. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I read a romance novel called Britches and Hoes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one as well. Uh, that was very good. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about Holly earlier. I had two quick clips about him as well. Um, here's one of him in the library. That icy wind I'm feeling, is that anything to do with the other day? By the other day, you mean when Crane and I asked you to help us take down a vicious child-stealing creature and you said no. I told you when I met you that I do the work I'm contracted to do. And look, it all came out in the wash. No thanks to you. No thanks not to me. Who knows? Look, if I'd have come with, I could have blown the whole thing. Cut me some slack, okay? It's my first real-life monster. You deal in supernatural armaments, Holly. You people who sell Christmas trees all believe in Santa Claus. Look, I get that you're sore about the Piper thing, so let me make it up to you. Next time you and the British guy have a creator you need help with, give me a shout. See what I can do at a very sizable discount. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's on the house. <laughs> He's cute. And then uh, here's the part you'll like, I think. You also said that if we had a problem, you would help us. I did because I owed you one, but then I saved your life. Pleasant as it was, my math says it makes us even. The calling. This isn't about your personal code of commerce. It's a matter of life and death. Well, when isn't it with you two? Enough posturing and preening. We require a weapon. Well, I require you to step the hell out of my personal space. Boys, <laughs> we don't have time for this. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Yeah, I do like that one. There was lots of measuring happening. Yes. Um. So shall we talk about our first feedback? Because our first feedback has an anachronism. Yes, let's do that. Our first feedback is from Justina. And our ever erstwhile listener, Justina, there's a big word for you. And this is her anachronism here. Just sent her a text. It's always done these days. A missive composed by thumb cannot adequately convey emotion. Hence emoticons. Oh, yes. A grimacing lemon caricature. That should do the trick. No, I've hurt Miss mm -hmm. Caroline's feelings. And I intend to apologize face to face, as a gentleman should. As a gentleman should. Okay, and let me play her feedback for you guys. Hi, this is Justina calling in for Witness Prophecies. My anachronism of the week, a missive composed by thumbs cannot convey emotion. That's what emoticons are for. Oh yes, a grimacing lemon caricature will surely do the trick. January Warman looks very distraught at the end of this episode after Mullock yelled at him for going out on his own plan. I wonder 
now that he has been disciplined, where Jenry's loyalties will lie. Will he do more things to try to get in Moloch's good graces? Or will he go out on his own? Guess I'll have to wait till next week to see. I think that might be a yes. Yeah. He's going to do more stuff. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And we had one more audio feedback, and it is from Kevin. And Kevin, I know, left his audio feedback because he was sneakingly giving an answer to something that we didn't know last week. Uh-oh. So let, let me play that for you. Hey, Jamie and Karen. It's Kevin Batchelder from the Arrow Squad podcast. Appreciate your work on the podcast. A lot of fun listening to it. Uh, big fan of Sleepy Hollow. I want to touch on one point you brought up that I've been thinking about so far this season. And that is the whole number of episodes and that effect on the storylines. As you were discussing, you know, last season we had the 13 episodes and it was just a breakneck story pace. Very little time for, uh, you know, one-off stories or things on the side. It just moved like a freight train and we all loved it. And this season with 18 episodes, uh, there's just no way it can move that fast. I mean, you got five extra episodes and, and the pace was just maddening in a great way last year. But uh, you're trying to do that for 18 episodes would be insane. So they have to do these one-offs. It's, it's just the nature of TV. Uh, you know, they realized when they had a success last year, no network is going to turn down the chance for more money. So they're going to do more episodes. I mean, at least it's not up to 22, in which case we'd have a lot more of these one-offs. So I'm thinking we'll probably have to wait till around episode six to eight, somewhere in there, uh, before things really start cranking up to a pace like we had last year. So I'm expecting a few more of these one-off types with very little... Uh, stuff going towards the big art. It just means we have a little more fun with our characters and we just have to kind of adjust our expectations. All right. I hope you all take care. Yay. Thank you, Kevin. Since both of us said, hey, I really should know how many episodes there are in this season. 18 (laughs) episodes. That was a sneaking way of saying, I know, I know. (laughs) 18. (laughs) 18 episodes. Yeah. This well, that's good this news. This going to go until March. That's good news, though. That means it has a full season, essentially, yeah, where last much. season it didn't. So we don't have to worry that we're not going to get the whole story now. We are. We just want it to move as fast as last season, and now we know it doesn't have to. Well, I'm I'm of the opinion that TV should always move that fast, and that nothing should be more than <laughs> 12 episodes. And we should just should be get more story. Is that it? Yeah, 12 episodes should to, be the max. You want it to be like BBC shows? No, because I think six is way too short. I think six. Okay. You can't even call six a season. You can call that a mini series. So Brits, sorry, you're not watching uh, what you call series. You're watching mini series. Okay. And I think that's well, a- Orphan Black and okay. Orphan Canadian Black's shows. Canadian. That's Canadian. Okay, Canadian shows. Continuum, Orphan Black, Lost Girl. Those are all 13 episode yeah. seasons. So and that's fine. 13. We should go on that model is what you're yes. thinking of. We, we should stick with the, you know, Canadian slash HBO Showtime model for, for, for seasons of shows. I'm just saying that because one-offs get boring. Well, do you know what kind of a riot would happen in America if that were the case? Because... People are so used to 22 and 24 episode seasons. Well, yeah, if you're watching CBS shows. Yeah, things would go insane. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If there, weren't, if there weren't 22 episodes of Castle every year, Twitter would never exist. <laughs> it would explode in a, in a bomb of glitter <laughs> and unicorns. Well, I don't know what to say. But, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. A, a show like this... 
you want it to go fast, but I think a lot of that is our expectation from last year. So yeah. Kevin did have a good point, though, that we do have more episodes to go. But but here, here than we did last season. And here's what I hate about where 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 business meets creativity, right? Mm-hmm. You had something that they gave only 13 episodes to because they were trying to fill time before Almost Human was ready to air. And mm-hmm. so you put this thing on, you give it 13 episodes, you don't expect it to do well because the premise seems a little... I mean, when I first heard the premise, I was like, that seems a little ridiculous. Right. Um, Which then, it was, actually. Yeah. But then you watch it and you're like, oh my god, it's got whip-smart dialogue. This is genius. It's, it's moving fast. It's got the great... It's, oh my god, it's got this twist. This is the greatest show ever. And then the people who own the network are like, okay, cool, we got a hit on our hands. We can make more money off of this thing. Let's break the formula that made this thing a hit. Yeah, and grabby do some, hands. And do something yeah. else with it. Mm-hmm. It was the 13 episodes that made it a hit. So that That's just yeah. my, well, that's my two cents. Again, we're only five episodes in. Let's cross our fingers and hope that we're still okay. I, I'm still enjoying it. Okay. I mean, I'm enjoying it too, but okay. give me more of the story. Okay, but, Mr. Gloom and Doom. But I digress because we You have, just want them to fall into bed already is what yes, you want. Yes, yes. I want that to happen soon. All right. And before you read yours, I'm going to play the last clip I have just because I want to. Okay. Uh, don't you suppose these young women will know the identities of the youths parked by the river last night? Absolutely. This is where the gossip grapevine begins and ends. Spirit squad. I'm duly impressed with the spirit. <laughs> spirit. Ichabod's okay. dirty old man. <laughs> I think he was more disgusted than turned on. Yeah. But so we had some response on Twitter from Todd Schwartzberg, and I'm sorry if I uh, pronounced your name wrong. He is at TD Schwartzberg on Twitter, and he said. So, totally shipping Jenny and Holly, Crane and Abby. Katrina will lose herself too much to the dark side in this role as spy. Todd, I'm with you, and I'm supporting you. All I want to know, Todd, is what should we call this? Should we call it Ickababby, or should it be Krabby? Tweet us back and let us know. Jolly or Henny? Henny. Henny? Henny. Okay, Henny. Okay, Henny sounds good. I don't know what, what is Holly's first name, do we know? No, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say, but but you have a book to read. What? Our next response. I do. It's Barb. (laughs) Barb wrote us a book this week. Not that I mind. I love Barb's letters. Um, This is through email. Barb, who is Tangier14 on Twitter. Hi, Karen and Jamie. I thought it was prophetic this week to see a teen makeout session by the lake and then see the kids at the high school since this week's episode was more crush of the week than monster of the week, in my opinion. So we had Miss Caroline thinking she had Crane all sewn up for herself. Holly in the library checking out Abby. That sounds like a clue game, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, ready to ship Crane back to England. Katrina pledging undying love. Well, at least 250 years worth anyway to Crane and vice versa. Abraham galloping after Katrina and Jenny on Holly's boat ready to raise his sails. What did you think I was going to say? <laughs> all of this young lust and angst almost made my head spin off. So I'd have to give this episode five puddles of cold lake water. She wasn't in love with it. 
I thought the best part was the end. Moloch berated Jenry Warman. Ha, got it right, she says. And told him that Jenry Warman was only there to do what Moloch told him to do, to obey. That tongue lashing he got from his father figure may well make him think a tad better of mommy and daddy dearest, which is what I thought as well. Although I still don't see him as redeemable yet. And again, same here. Also, it was interesting to hear Moloch say that Katrina wasn't to be killed, but to be turned. She may become a horseman yet. I am in the minority. I want Katrina and Crane to stay hooked. I'm not an Abby Crane shipper, but I don't write the story. And this I wrote to Barb on Twitter and I said, you and I, we're copacetic. And she said, I love it when you make me look up words. (laughs) I said, copacetic. Uh, anyway, I hope we see more plot advancement next week and don't get pelted with rotten eggs for for the Halloween ep. Thanks, Barb. Side note, P.S. I would have called this in, but I believe I will take great pleasure in listening to you read it this week. I'll trick you by calling in feedback for the Halloween episode. And also in my tweet, I said it will actually not be a trick. It will be a treat. Oh. I did. Isn't that nice of me? That is nice of you. Let me pat myself on the back. (laughs) So if you want to hear your letters read by either I or Karen. I did a horrible job, Barb, but (laughs) sorry about that. You can send us feedback. The deadline's every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern by calling 304-837-2278 and leaving us a voice message. Or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can leave us some text. Uh, You can also leave an audio file through our SpeakPipe link there as well you can find us on twitter uh, we're at wit- witness profs profs witness prof gsm i'm at parish the thought i changed my twitter handle i'm no longer one with beard i'm parish the thought and it's parish as in henry parish right yes not jamie parish not jamie parish one r one r yeah P-A-R-I-S-H-D-A-T-H-O-U-G-H-T. Yes, perish the thought. Yep. And I am at Eleveria, A-L-E-V-E-R-I-A. And go ahead and become a fan of Golden Spiral Media on Facebook. You can also become a fan of Witness Prophecies on Facebook. That's where some of the people are leaving their feedback and we're reading on the podcast. So go out and interact with us. Yep. In any of those ways, we would love that. And I do have a summary of next week's episodes to finish this out. Next week's episode is called And the Abyss Gazes Back. And the summary is as follows. Ichabod and Abby seek distraction by going to a local pub where they find Joe Corbin, son of the late sheriff. A recently discharged veteran, Joe seems a far cry from the boy Abby used to babysit for. Later that night, when Mills and Crane respond to a call about a disturbance in the woods... They discover Joe and his friends have been attacked by what appears to be a gruesome wolf-like creature. And Joe, the sole survivor, seems relatively uninjured despite the brutal killing of his friends. Hmm. Wonder what that means. As the two witnesses search for answers, they uncover Joe's military record, which reveals similarities between, between the previous night's attack and the events surrounding the deaths of those in his platoon. Following additional research, the pair learns of the existence of a cursed werewolf-like creature of Indian legend known as the Wendigo. They also surmise that Joe, albeit unbeknownst to him, is in fact the same fierce creature, trying to figure out how Joe became cursed, responsible for it, and how the curse can be undone, requires the help, once again, of Nick Hawley, 
and leads Abby and Ichabod back to the all too familiar foe. Why is he a foe? Because time he is. also time also becomes a factor when the pair learns that according to the curse, the fourth time Joe transforms into the Wendigo, the transformation becomes permanent, and he has already undergone the change three times before. Meanwhile, at Terrytown Psychiatric Hospital, Henry Parrish continues his attempt to make an ally of Frank Irving. Despite the former police captain's fervent refusal to willingly abide, the fact remains, Irving signed Parrish's contract in blood and seemingly has no choice in the matter. Irving learns the stark truth to break the contract he will need to trade another soul for his own, a repugnant option for the for Irving despite the presentation of a potential victim whom he believes deserves nothing less than death. Holly. And it is. Holly. Stop it. Trade <laughs> Holly's soul for your own. Written by Heather Regnier and directed by Doug Aronarski. That name that we can't pronounce. So, yeah, uh, apparently that was more of a spoiler than usual. Yes. So maybe I should say here, spoilers ahead. So you might want to turn it off now if you don't want to listen to the spoilers. Next time. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess that's everything. Okay. Is that everything for that's you? That's everything for me. Okay. So next week. Next week. We'll talk about. How Holly's soul will be given in exchange for Irving's. <laughs> And the abyss gazes back, and it's not Holly. It's going to be the new captain, I think. Okay. You want it to be Holly so bad, I know. Yes, I do. It's not. All right. So next week it is. Yes. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Jamie. Talk to you next week. Bye, Bye guys. Oh, man, that was the worst.